the Cleveland Cavaliers select Evan Mobley. It's been a historical franchise in this league for years. We have a trade to announce. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. Inching closer to that trade deadline coming up on February 10th. We've got some more trade talk to get into today. Some other things going on around the league as well. Keith rocking the throwback Sonics shirt. Can't, can't see it in the frame right now. You have to lean back a little bit to show everybody your, your Sonics basketball. There we go. Let's get basketball back in back in Seattle. I think that's a that's a must. Agreed. Yeah, hundred percent. I uh, I want it because I want a team in Seattle. Um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show or even to you before. I've always had this feeling since I was probably like fifteen or sixteen years old that I was gonna live in Seattle at some point in my life. I don't know why. I've literally nothing to base that on. Big Nirvana or, fan. And- or Starbucks? <laughs> no, no, not really. And I have no connection to to that area either. But I've always felt that. But yeah, and and beyond that, man, I would just like the content, like the oh the, sure, the, uh, yeah, the the content of um, you know, expansion draft and yeah. all that stuff, man. Like uh, that'd be that'd keep me busy writing and everything because it's been so long since we've had one. I, I like people would be like, all right, explain the rules. How does this work? Who's we being protected? Into, right. Exactly. Protected list. Who did they blow on the protected list? Why was this guy? So, yeah. So I'm, I'm always hopeful that will, uh, that will come, come eventually. Whoops. I, I, I hit it early. Let's just do it. Let's <laughs> A just premature Simmons siren. But let's. The Simmons siren. Let's get it into is. it. This is the now big it's news. A tangential Simmons siren today, but but I hit the button by mistake, so I I blew it. But people love the Simmons siren, man. We we yeah. get a lot of comments on the Simmons siren every uh, show, and it is warranted on this one because this is the the rumor coming out now is that the 76ers are starting to talk about putting Tobias Harris in a Ben Simmons trade. Now, the first thought in my head was, oh my gosh, how much salary is going down in this (laughs) trade if you're adding Tobias Harris to it? But I also think it gives us a little bit of insight into what kind of offers the 76ers are getting right now for Ben Simmons. And it tells me they aren't getting the guy that they want. No, I I think that is definitely true. And to answer your question, $69 million. Nice. So as, as, as Gronk would say, nice. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's actually $68,999,886. Uh, so we'll, we'll round that between friends here and call that 69 million. Uh, beyond that, though, what's crazy is if the same team were to acquire them, they would be acquiring over a quarter of a billion dollars in salary through the life of those two deals 259.6 million dollars um for through simmons is uh, obviously got this year plus three years through 24 25 Mm -hmm. harris has this year plus two years through 23 24 so um and we should mention this is uh this is per brian windhorst and mark spears of of espn they had this yeah but uh but so if if both are hearing that the 76ers want to include tobias harris um from a, a caps perspective, let's go there first. What does that mean? What's the 76ers goal here in, in doing this? Yeah. So there's two things. One is 
maybe there is a team out there that really wants Tobias Harris. Maybe Philly can take on a questionable contract their way, but one that expires sure. sooner than either Harris or Simmons. Maybe that's that's a way to to do this. So the the reality is there's no team out there that's positioned to take on $68 million, $69 million. Um, it's just not going to happen. Wait, they, Philly would have to take – you're talking then getting involved with the Houston Rockets and taking on John Wall's salary. Yeah. Um, I know uh, Lakers fans love to say, you know, trade them Russell Westbrook for Ben Simmons. That's not – you couldn't even do this, right? You, you'd uh, you'd be, be in a position be, where Russ they could even stuff. take both back. Yeah, it'd be Russ and stuff, exactly. And that's not not going to happen. So I think you're, if you're Philly, what you're hopeful there is, does this open up three-team trade possibilities where Harris goes to one team, Simmons goes to another team, Philly takes in some from both teams? Maybe that's where, where this goes. Um, and it's not that Tobias Harris is a bad player, because he isn't. He's just a very overpaid player. He should not be on a near max contract. Um, hey, it's it, this is just Keith being nitpicky about salary stuff. Everybody refers to him as a max player. He was just under the max mm -hmm. um, when he signed, almost comically. So where it was like, why did they not just give him the max? Um, but but I digress. I'll move on. Um, so it, it really does become a situation of where are we? Where are you going with this? And as we look, I mean, who needs Tobias Harris? Like, there's there are teams that I think would be okay to have him. Sure, but it's where where are we going with, with that contract? And I know that a couple of people say, well, could you get something from Indiana for him? You know, could you get a couple of their players for him? I mean, maybe, but I don't see that being something they're jumping all over. And it's more. It's not really about the 36 million this year because if it was 36 million expiring, that's a whole different conversation we're having. It's about the uh, 76 plus million or almost 77 million the next two years yeah. um, that he's owed. That that's where it starts to become a tricky thing. But you asked why would Philly want to do this? Clear up the cap sheet, uh, maybe create room to make a run at James Harden and free agency. Uh, there's still a lot of people who are wondering if that's the ultimate goal here. Uh, if the Nets don't make the finals, are the Nets maybe more open to saying, all right, let's go a different direction? Do the Nets even want to hand Harden a max deal? You know, where is that, that going? And we know, obviously, Daryl Morey has a fondness and tried to trade for Harden uh, in the past. So um, that that's, that's probably the end goal here, though, is open up some more flexibility moving forward if you can move off of Harris in combination with Simmons. You know, it's interesting if you were and i'm not saying the 76ers are going to go this route but if you were to just get expirings you clear over 70 million dollars off yeah. your books off your books for next which sounds i mean just that that number sounds ridiculous mm -hmm. but next thing you know you're right there to give out you're you're close enough anyway to start talking about a max contract for a guy like James Harden, you're yep. building around a pair of Joel Embiid and James Harden. You still have Seth Curry. You still have Tyrese Maxey. He's only on $2.7 million next year on a, on a team option. You've got some pieces there around those guys. Korkmaz is under contract for $5 million. And looking at some of these guys, uh, Seth Curry, right? This may be your last opportunity to take advantage of some of these guys being on lower contracts. Seth Curry's probably going to get more than $8 million on his next contract. You look at some of these other players, eventually they're going to start making more. Yep. So it kind of starts lining up where it makes some sense, but it's also a gamble because if you're the 76ers and you do this and you don't get James Harden, 
suddenly, yes, you still have that flexibility, but it becomes a little bit less clear what the end game is. Yeah, absolutely. And let's be fair too. You can also use cap space in a trade. Yes. It makes making mm-hmm. trades easier. So that doesn't take you out of the running for Damian Lillard. If sure. the trailblazers change their mind later, I, I still think that would be more likely to be a Simmons trade is how that would happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my, I, if, if I had to put a percentage on this, I'd say it's like 5% that Tobias Harris gets moved in conjunction with a Simmons trade. It just doesn't make sense. Now, we did see Shams doing some speculation, whether it was his own speculation, informed speculation, whatever, about Simmons to Atlanta. John Collins comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you find a third team? You know, could you could you pay Oklahoma City? to take on Harris in the couple years left. Philly already did that once uh, in a now Horford trade. OKC clearly did that for Kemba Walker. Um, the problem there starts to be OKC, what are they sending back? Where are we going with with that? But, I mean, you could maybe get Derek Favors back, and that's just a you know kind of a rebalancing of your books a little bit. So maybe that is the direction that this ultimately goes, and that's you know, where it is. But if you bring back anything of – uh, value in terms of big salary for Simmons in a trade where Harris also goes out. What ultimately happens is you end up with that cap space stream goes away. It'll yeah. dry up very, very quickly. Now I'll also say the 76ers are on a seven game win streak. They mm-hmm. are the five seed right now in the Eastern conference. There's a lot of variations of this where you'd kind of have to, to thread the needle where if you were just going for pure cap space, that's kind of that you could wind up sending the message that hey we're not going to make a run this season. Yeah. And I don't know if that's that's what you want to do. So then then you're trying to thread the needle of okay, we want cap space, but we also want to get back in this deal expiring guys who could help us this season in case in case things click this season and can make a run. That's that adds another layer of difficulty to trying to make a move. It's not like the 76ers are clearly out of the playoff race. And they're saying, just give us cap room for next season and and we're good. They're not in that situation. So I think that complicates this even further. It absolutely does. And this is a weird spot because you, you don't, you don't have teams that are very good with a large salary. That is a completely non-productive player Mm -hmm. sitting on your books very often. Every once in a while you run into the team has, you know, blah, blah, blah's expiring contract. And it's just kind of sitting there and they, they are able to move it. In this case, this is not that this is a valuable player who you can trade in Ben Simmons, bring in one player who's really good or several players who are pretty good. And you are not sacrificing any production at all because of the fact that he's not playing right. for you. He's been no part of uh, what has started to turn into be a pretty good season. And I do, that is why I believe taking the Tobias Harris part, separate that, put it to the side. You have to trade Simmons because Embiid is having an MVP calendar, se- calendar caliber season. And you don't know how many more of those you're going to get. There's the be, being realistic with his injury history, all the, the things that have gone against him. He's a big man. Big men don't always uh, have that long of the peaks that some of the other guys do um, in this day and age. You just have to take advantage of that when you can. So to me, that's why you have to make a Simmons trade. And I would hope and I'm guessing Daryl Morey is uh, smart enough to not say, well, if we're doing a Simmons deal, it has to come with Tobias Harris going out as well. I don't think that's the case. My guess is it's more, hey, if we can do this and accomplish that goal as well, 
off we go and let's right. keep things moving. Yeah, because I do think that, that Tobias Harris, like if his salary was lower, there are lots of teams that would like him. I mean, his skill set yeah. is one that's in that's in demand around the NBA, yep. um, even though his three-point shooting hasn't been quite what we would hope it, it would be this season. But, but yep. still, there were a lot of teams that would be very interested in him. So you just have to be, if you're just taking back money, right? You're just taking back contracts, guys who aren't going to do anything for you on the floor. Yes, Simmons isn't giving you anything, but if you subtract Harris without getting anything back really aside from expirings that's where you can kind of send the, the wrong message there to uh to the team but uh, again we'll see where all of this goes i think it's an interesting wrinkle to this um perhaps again suggests that the 76ers aren't finding that trade for the guy that they want and so they're saying all right well if we're not going to get the guy that we want right now let's at least move some salary move tobias harris if we're going to move ben simmons as well Let's see if we can get that guy this summer with the cap room that we can create by this trade. So it's, and yep. again, like you said, I wouldn't say this is the likely deal, the likely way that it's going to down, go down instead. I would say it's very unlikely, but interesting. And it tells us that the 76ers are, are considering some alternative options aside from just, we need Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal for Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. This is, they're open to doing more roster uh, machinations than, than I think we ever could have expected. To close the book on Tobias Harris, yes. 18.4 points, 7.5 rebounds, 3.9 assists. Those all look pretty good until yep. you dig in a little bit deeper. He's only shooting 29.5% from three, and that's on 3.7 attempts per game. So that's, that's not very good. Uh, he's getting the free throw line less than four times per game. Uh, that's basically a, a, you know in line with where he's been for his career. Um, but he's playing a career high in minutes. He's taking a near career high as best I can tell in shots per mm -hmm. game um, outside of a couple years ago. So, uh, and that was a couple years ago was when we were out saying, geez, you know, this guy maybe should be an all-star. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's your, your, your problem. This guy has a big role and he's, you know, when you're shooting that much and you're shooting under 30% from three, that starts to become a kind of destructive player um, for you versus for the opponent. So that's just something to keep in mind as we talk about where you know his game has slipped a little bit. All right. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had some more comments about the Utah Jazz. We had the story the other day about Donovan Mitchell, perhaps someday wanting to go to a big market. Again, he's under contract for a few more seasons, so we're not saying this is happening tomorrow. Sure. But he did have some pointed comments about the Utah Jazz and their defense in particular said – um, they are fooling themselves. Utah was uh, was not good last night against no. uh, against a, a bad Pistons team that is missing Jeremy Grant, and they lost by ten. That's not what you would expect out of the well, Utah Jazz, that, despite they, and Rudy Gobert's out. We should note that. Sure, but they blew a twenty two point lead. Yeah, in that game and fell apart in that that game too. A Pistons team that doesn't have Jeremy Grant, you know, is not quite frankly they're not trying too super hard to to win games i mean it was bad their their defense was horrendous 40 uh, to 23 now, in the third quarter 40 yeah. to 23 they let up 78 what? second half points to the pistons Ooh. who are not a good offensive team um at all nope. it's i want they might have even been 30th <laughs> going into yesterday um yeah well, let's let, let's check that and see i'll check that Okay. Um, what I was going to say on that is uh, they were 29th, but maybe 30th going in yesterday. Um, but Mitchell's a big part of that. His defense was not good either. 
uh, getting blown by on the perimeter, guys, you know, beating him off the bounce and those kind of things. I think that team has become very reliant on Rudy Gobert cleaning up all the messes they make out on the perimeter. And what teams have started to do is teams are embracing the mid range mm-hmm. against um, the the Jazz now because they know they can get by that first wave. They're not necessarily going all the way to the cup to challenge Gobert because that's generally doesn't work out so great for you. Um, so why not take and live in that mid-range a little bit more? And, and I, the Pistons did some of that, and then they really got downhill to the basket because Gobert wasn't there. So I think I get where Donovan Mitchell is coming from. I think his comments are all spot on. But include yourself in there, and maybe he was. Um, but the reality is what's gonna how this is going to be seen by folks is, hey, Every single time we hear a Donovan Mitchell story, it is not good. That's going to start to make people think maybe Donovan Mitchell is more gettable than we thought he would be or something like that. My guess is with Utah, it is more of a let's get our guys back. Let's really refocus here in the second half of the season, get things back to the play in the basketball we know. And then if we flame out again in the playoffs, then it's probably time to start having bigger conversations about where are we going with this roster. And much like he's clearly far uh, earlier on the career spectrum, but it does start to become almost like Portland, Indiana, Boston to some extent. How long do you run with this kind of same core group? And, you know, if your best move forward is to trade Mitchell and really rebuild, is that the way to way to go forward? And I don't feel like it's we're not there yet with with the Utah Jazz. They're one one of the top teams in the West. This was a bad night, but they're one of the top teams. They're clearly clearly in the top three. Um, you know, the, you, like we said, I think we said this yesterday, you win a championship this season, all of this is forgotten, right? Yep. All of this is, is completely forgotten if, if you go and you win a championship this season. But again, for a long time, they've been known as the team that's good in the regular season, come playoff time, teams figure them out and they go home. Yeah. Um, yeah. we'll see and if they mean, can overcome if, that. Yeah. If they were ripped off another great regular season and went in as the one seed, we'd all be sitting here saying, okay. Cool. Yeah. Show me in the playoffs. Yep. Right. I mean, it's just the reality of the way this 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 works is we we don't really care what you do in the regular season once you've done it three or four years in a row and you're and then have not proven to be able to go further. And then it becomes all right, you're just a regular season team. And we do have more on the Pistons. We're going to get into that later today, though. Uh, Maybe interested in DeAndre Ayton. Be on the lookout for that video. That's going to be coming out a little later this afternoon. Really interesting if they do wind up making that push. So I can't wait to sure. break that down. But let's finish off this show with uh, Real Madrid. Let's talk about, I know, not normally a team <laughs> a team that we talk about. And not the soccer team. No, not the soccer team, but it does loop in your Boston Celtics a little bit here. So what what is going on with Real Madrid and how do we link this back to the NBA? Yeah, this is not a uh, loan agreement like we see in uh, in FIBA, um, which we, or FIFA rather. Yep. FIBA doesn't really have that involving the NBA portion. The NBA does not take part in in that. But they so a couple names people will recognize here. Uh, Real Madrid recently signed Gershon Yabasele, a former first round draft pick of the Celtics, uh, to a long term deal. He's played quite well for them, uh, so they're going to keep him there. They are planning to bring back Gabriel Deck. Uh, that name probably sounds somewhat familiar. He was with Oklahoma City, uh, recently was waived as they made a kind of a salary uh, move to help the Utah Jazz um, by, by acquiring Mia Oni uh, along with a uh, second-round draft pick. 
uh, deck headed back. Then Juancho Hernan Gomez is also on their radar. Now, this is not a right now thing because mm-hmm. it's not something that exists um, as far as those moves. But it's pretty well known. Hernan Gomez is probably going to, to have his uh, contract uh, bought or waived after this season. He's on a fully non-guaranteed deal for next year. Um, so it's highly likely that it'll be waived. I've been calling him uh, for a couple months now. He's a pseudo expiring deal because yeah. teams can acquire him. Um, and then, then it can, uh, you can waive that last year at no cost um, after the season. Um, barely plays for the Celtics. Very few, few games uh, played for them. Um, he had, kind of slipped out of the plans in Minnesota prior to being traded a couple times this off season. So something to keep an eye on uh, that, you know, we may see, see him uh, head back overseas. And this is semi-related to uh, like Nikola Miritich uh, sure. went back overseas and he recently had a, a really interesting interview where he basically said, I just didn't like the lifestyle in the NBA and in, in the United States. My my family's far more comfortable over here overseas and uh i like the lifestyle and the way we play uh over here in europe uh, more than than i liked it in the nba so yeah, you know, the nba is not for everybody yeah so it's you know that's something to always kind of keep in mind absolutely got to do what's what's best for you and and your family uh from the celtics perspective uh, is that do you see him getting moved then seven million dollar salary that's that's not that gives you something you know that's a that's an expiring yeah. essentially that you can uh that you can use at the absolute very least they're going to dump him on okc with a pick Mm -hmm. to get under to get out of the luxury tax that's at the very least yeah now at the high end yeah seven million for him 5.9 million for schroeder that puts you in the mix to add a nice rotation player um you know for the rest of the year that's the way they go the good news for the celtics is um and yes i just used the term good news and celtics in the same sentence (laughs) they are we're a month out from the deadline. If they continue to play better, and they they have been playing better, they won four of their last six, um, despite a couple sloppy losses in there. They have been playing a little bit better. If that continues, and let's say let's say they start winning at a decent clip, they've got options where they can go. You can go the option of let's add to this team, let's mm-hmm. move forward because they also have a they have a, a big trade exception from a Fournier sign and trade of about seventeen million. They have a slightly smaller one of 9.7 million for Tristan Thompson, 5.1 for Kemba. So they've got the ability now reminder, you can add those together. Uh, that's not how that works. They have to be used individually and you can't add them with player salary either, but they've got the ability to bring in players. People uh, like to do that though. I, I see it all the time, oh, like, like on Twitter time. and stuff. Well, okay. I'm going to yeah. add in this trade exception to this player yeah. and there you go. You got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. if no, only it were that easy. No. Yeah. I mean, Personal, just personal opinion to be really cool if it could work that yeah. way because it would open up a lot more opportunity. It just does not. So, so yeah. So where we're really looking now for Boston is um, what direction do they go now if they continue to be inconsistent and look not great and like they'll be barely a playing team. Uh, if that, then you can see. All right, let's start dumping some of the salary for next to nothing for Hernan Gomez and Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Get out of the tax, and we'll we'll look to do our major maneuvering and resets in the off season. So I'll be very surprised if Hernan Gomez finishes the year with the Celtics. If 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 he's not traded because they're like, ah, we just don't want to dump the asset, and they get out of the tax another way, um, then I think they'll just waive him 
Um, or buy him out and send him on his way and let him do whatever he wants to do. He's not going to be back on that non-guaranteed year next year. There's just no chance that happens. Some sort of a move coming regardless. I mean, one way or another, something is going to happen with him and uh, and his deal uh, by the trade deadline. If not, then right after. We'll see something like that happen there. Miles Turner, a name that's out there. I'd be surprised at this point just because there's been so much buzz if he isn't moved by the trade deadline. Keith, the latest rumor linking him to the Minnesota Timberwolves. A little bit surprised yeah. here by that landing spot. Yeah, it did surprise me too. Uh, Darren Wolfson, who's a reporter out of Minnesota, covers the Wolves. Uh, he mentioned that they have talked about acquiring Miles Turner. Now, you look at it and you say, eh, it kind of makes some sense, I guess. Put a shop blocker next to Cat mm-hmm. and the guy who can play with some range. I've you know, repeatedly said Turner is very plug and play for just about any team. But you do start to wonder, like, what does that really do for you if you're Minnesota? Is that is that a big enough upgrade? I know this sounds weird to say, but over Jared Vanderbilt um, and uh, Nas, uh, Reed. Nas Reed is the other center as well as um Jaden McDaniels mm-hmm. uh, who's also played quite a bit like where what, what, what are we doing is he is the exact ideal fit with the towns you could get into kind of trouble there trying to defend on the perimeter with those yeah. two um so they I mean I guess it makes some sense just to see um there I, I do wonder is that one where maybe that's more of a three team and he doesn't end up in Minnesota and he's routed somewhere else but but I, I, I'm with what you said off the jump. I don't think Miles Turner is a pacer a month from now. I'd be very, very surprised. Uh, they just played Boston. It's the first of a home-and-home home set. Uh, the Celtics beat them on Monday night. They're going to play again on Wednesday in Indiana. He was not part of the closing lineup uh, in either half uh, for the Pacers and had really very little role when he was out there. And that's something he was open about. Uh, probably was that about a month or so ago, um, with Jared Weiss of the athletic, he said, you know, Hey, I'm open to going somewhere and having a bigger role and being a bigger part of things. So I just put adding it all together. I, I'll be shocked if he's with the, the Pacers a month from now. So here's the thing with Miles Turner, and I've been digging into him a bit for, for Lakers nation because, sure. well, I mean, he's a name that's out there that's been connected to the Lakers. Is he really a three-point threat or not? He shot 42% from deep in November, and then that dropped to 32% in December. And he's like in the 20s in January. He was 0 for 4 last night against the Boston Celtics. Only played 23 minutes, three rebounds. He's not a massive threat rebounding. And I like Miles Turner a lot. He's leading the NBA in block shots. I think he is a guy that teams can use. But your question becomes, yes, you can use him, but... Do you want to pay him $18 million? Do you want to allocate that much in terms of resources towards essentially a, a stretch five? Is that what you want to do? Particularly knowing that for a lot of teams in the NBA right now, you're not running a center as in part of your closing lineups. And if you're the Wolves in particular, do you want to commit? And this is the same question for the Lakers. Do you want to commit to playing big with Carl Anthony Towns next to Miles Turner for the majority of your minutes, because that's what you're doing. If you're going to pay that $18 million for Miles Turner, you're going to play big there. And I think the key for the Wolves has been more playing Towns as your five and not your four. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, they've become 
semi-interchangeable. Sure. You know, Towns is pretty clear is a far more versatile offensive game than Turner does, but but you can, you know, one can play inside, one can play outside and uh, reverse him probably Towns more as the inside because he can post up where Turner has shown no ability to do that. He's basically a role man, a diver mm-hmm. uh, off others penetration and things like that. So yeah, that that's your challenge. I mean, half of his shots come from more than half, or I guess it's about half come from behind the arc now. And that's, that's, that's fine, but he's not, he doesn't shoot it at an elite level. I think people have this sense of like, he is like a, a shot blocker, like Rudy Gobert, who shoots it like Channing Fry. And he's Ooh, good reference Channing Fry, but, like but he's not right. That's no. the challenge. Channing Fry was one of the best shooting bigs the game's ever seen. Right. Um, he shoots it. Well, I don't, want to take that away from him but he's always been a little overrated as a shooter and in, in my opinion um does not really rebound all that good for a guy of his size um and then the blocks are good because his blocks are not like remember several years ago Hassan Whiteside was like leading the league yeah. but it was because he was chasing blocks right. all over the place continually out of position Turner mostly gets them as a help guy as yeah. a guy who could clean up for uh, others. Um, Demonis Sabonis is very ground bound. So he's the guy who comes over quite a bit. I mean, led the league last year at 3.4 uh, per game. So th- th- this is real. He's actually led the league two out of the last three seasons and is leading it this year. So if that continues, it'll be three or four years. And again, these are not just going out and chasing these blocks all over no, the he's place. He's a good but, blocker. Yeah, exactly. But it's yeah, I'm with you. I, I have to really wonder where are you trying to go? If this is what you want to do, if you're going to acquire him, you, you, you better and especially where he's chirping about wanting a bigger role yeah. and things like that, that, that worries me to some extent. I think it's probably more of, Hey, send me somewhere where we're winning and competing uh, and contending for, you know, the finals or even deep playoff runs. That'll probably change a lot as far as needing a bigger role. But yeah, I mean, he's a seven footer who averages two and a half free throws a game. That's a little tough for well, me. And I stand corrected. He's actually shooting 19% as of now in, in January since shooting over four. Against yeah. Uh, now small yeah, sample size. We're all, we're, sure. you know, we're not even halfway through January. So, you know, take that. But he's down to 34.9% on the year. Right. That's, not, and, that's not an elite level guy. Like people no. make him out to be. And here's the thing. If that drops a little bit, if that gets, say it's 32%, the goodbye or goodbye spacing, right? That's yep. that you hit a point where teams stop caring. If you're yep. behind the three-point line and Turner is close enough to that to where you at least have to factor that into the decision. Now, again, I, we sound like we just hate Miles Turner and, yeah. and, and we really don't. I really do like Miles Turner. I think that as a shot blocker, he's something special there, but mm-hmm. I, I just question the fit here. I, there is another connection here between the Wolves and the Pacers, both teams supposedly in the running for Ben Simmons. Is it possible they're just comparing notes? Hey, you guys are offering this. We could <laughs> yeah, offer sure. that. Hey, maybe if this doesn't work out, the two of us can can work something out here. Um, let, I guess let's finish with this. Let's say the Wolves decide this is the path we want to go down, right? Issues be damned. This is the, the, the path we want to go down. We want Miles Turner. What does their offer look like? Yeah, it's probably going to be centered around Malik Beasley as the main guy in there just that's the one that makes sense uh the most and maybe you throw one of those those kids uh mcdaniels or vanderbilt along with them um i would think beasley for turner to me starts to be somewhat close to fair value um when you factor in the kind of weird fit in minnesota so i i think think that's the way the bigger thing for me is good for the wolves for basically saying hey we're we want this playoff spot 
we're, we're, we're going after it. So I think that is the bigger takeaway for me is that they are um, clearly open to, okay, we're, we're going to go, you know, do what we can. They are right now uh, 20 and 20 and an eighth in, in the, in the West. So yeah. that's in the play in, but they're only a couple games out of uh, moving up to the fifth seed. So uh, that's not a, you know, that that's uh, we're getting into, Rare territory for the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, approaching the midseason uh, here. So that that that's great. I mean, they've won four in a row. They're they're getting back to healthy and starting to play pretty good ball. Kind of like a Cavs West light. Yeah. In that they haven't made the playoffs in a bit. It would mean a lot for them to to be there, to get in there, especially as like kind of a surprise team. The Cavs, I mean, the Cavs obviously had a solid run with LeBron. That wasn't all that long ago. But but still, they're a surprise that they're at where they're at right now the wolves yeah, kind absolutely. of a similar situation where they're doing a little bit better than we would have expected and i think it would mean a lot to that franchise to get into the playoffs so maybe there's that added incentive of it's been a long time let's get there let's get this done if we can add some pieces right now let's go do it and you have that pressure of every year you don't make it is another year that it all amplifies around get carl anthony towns out of minnesota yes get him to somewhere where he has a chance to win. And that's, that's what you're trying to avoid. If you're, if you're the wolves that that's why just getting into the play in and then maybe into the playoffs that buys you at least another year of, all right, we, we took steps forward. Let's make some moves. Let's see where we can get to. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's that they, there's, it's good to see they're kind of buying in here because I think they have to. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's get to another big man. Deandre Ayton. Our buddy Eric Pincus said that the Pistons could be a team that might go after DeAndre Ayton this summer. Um, I'll say that as a restricted free agent, I don't see him actually leaving Phoenix. I think the Suns yeah. match. But this is also the scenario that you specifically wanted to avoid if you were the Phoenix Suns and why we were critical of the Suns for not just getting a deal done with Ayton this past offseason. Uh, they didn't want to give him the, the money that he wanted. And here we are now. If you get another team that goes out there, throws him this big offer, throws him this this max deal, does everything they can to make the deal as difficult to match as possible, then you're worse off from the Phoenix Suns perspective. So this is this is not good news for the Suns. Yeah, because what you could be facing here for the Suns is it's the kind of the Gordon Hayward yeah. conundrum of a team makes him an offer sheet and he signs that then maybe what happens is in three years from now, he's opting out and leaving, or you're two years into the deal, and you're like, well, he's only got one chore year left. Maybe we should trade him already. It sounds like going all the way back to all the reporting around it was he wanted the five-year max, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to give him the fifth year, and that's where they, they held. And I get it, right? Draw your line where you need to. Just know what the, the potential issues are down the line, and one of those potential issues may be we're going to lose this guy in, in, uh, you know, at some point here. And in, in the Pistons are in a position where that's a position of need for them. That's the one spot where they don't have a, a, a Isaiah Stewart is good, but Isaiah Stewart probably looks even better as a 20 to 25 minute a night sure. big man off the bench than he does as a starter. Um, you could bring Aiden in, uh, let Aiden be kind of there. There's our guy there. The guy, there's yeah. now our starting five along with Cage Cunningham. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I just had a uh, my ring light slipped, so oh. hopefully it'll uh, hold still. Man, that was crazy. <laughs> um, the, the basketball gods don't want Aiton in Detroit. That's now. it. Apparently, <laughs> they do not want him in Detroit. So, um, anyway, 
<laughs> after that near disaster. Um, you are in a position where if you're Detroit, why not? Right. Because yeah. at worst, the sun's match and you still have all that cap space and you go move it in a different direction. So it does make things a little more difficult for Phoenix. Um, if that's you know where you want to go, because it's just, you've made this situation now less clean than it was uh, months ago. Now they still can come to an agreement with him before anybody else can do anything and get him signed and lock him in. And then off they go. They have his match rates. I, 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 I'm with you. I'll be very surprised if he's playing for another team next season. Um, but you're now open. The path is now open for down the line for that to happen. If you're the Suns, would you rather pay eight and a max and have five years set no player options? Or would you rather match a deal that's a four-year deal and he can get out in three and then realistically in two, you're thinking about trading him. What's your preferred option there? Yeah, there's the first one. Just right. but I, I like DeAndre Eaton. I thought yeah. I thought when it looked like the Suns were gonna win the finals, Eaton was a big part of why they would have won the finals. And mm-hmm. I think you lock him up with Devin Booker. Now you have your younger core locked up as Chris Paul whenever it happens, eventually ages out and moves along. You now have that is there, there it is. So you've got the best of both worlds now and you have things locked up in the future. I just, I, I worry about it now. I always say with restricted free agents and when guys don't get an extension, nobody knows everything about them better than their current team. Yeah, uh, Those teams know their medical better than everybody else does. They know what their work ethic is like what they project for their production to be with the rest of the roster, all that stuff. So maybe the Suns have very valid reasons to to move on. But I don't know, from what we've shown now, I just he's also not one of those centers that's going to get played off the floor where all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, but now we close the games with a you know $30 million on the bench. He's not that kind of guy. He can be out there all the way for you. Well, and if you're the Suns, you have to be worried about, like you said, Gordon Hayward, whenever he's a free agent next. Does yeah. this stick in his mind? Does he remember, hey, this team yep. didn't didn't take care of me. This team made me go sign with somebody else, right? Yep. And it only takes one. It takes one. If it's the yeah. Pistons, if it's, it could be anybody. It takes one team to give him that offer. And next thing you know, you're the Suns, your leverage is gone, and you've got a guy who's hitting free agency earlier than you wanted to that is supposed to be a building block long-term. And that's just, yep. that's not the scenario that you want to be in. Um, from the Pistons side, if it works and somehow the Suns say, oh, never mind, we don't want Aiton, cool. Then you're building around Cade Cunningham and DeAndre Aiton long-term, and that looks pretty good. So yeah. I get why the Pistons would, would want to do this. For the Suns, this is the last thing that they wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, all right, let's get into your Orlando magic. And I say your <laughs> because of geographic location, but uh, the front office got a, a nice long extension. And Keith, you you said before we went on the air here that you want to get into some of the ramifications of that and what the, what this really means. So let's dive into that. Yeah, so Jeff Waltman and John Hammond both extended through the 25-26 season. Uh, front office contracts often work the same way as coach deals do, where that last year is kind of the team option. It's just in that case, it's either the team president, not the president of the basketball ops, but the actual president or directly the owner who's deciding on that option versus the front office deciding on it. For- but in Orlando, last about a year ago well year ago nba feel wise not exactly a year ago calendar wise because we're off off a little bit because of the adjusted calendar but at last season's trade deadline they said yep we're done we're we're 
this group has gone as far as it's going to go. And off went Vucevic, off went Gordon, off went Fournier. Uh, I jokingly have said several times, Terrence Ross was like the embodiment of the Will Smith meme (laughs) where he was left in the empty room looking around at everything being gone. But now what's happened is had they not shown or done well in the draft or in those trade packages or whatever, you might have had the magic, which we've been down this path before here in Orlando of, all right, it's it, let's get rid of these guys. Let's get new blood in here and let's really try to get mm-hmm. this thing moving forward. What the magic have done with this is they're now in this rebuild for the long haul and for however long it takes. And I believe very much Waltman and Hammond were brought in to do this originally. And then the team was just better than anybody thought two yeah. years ago. And then it or, I guess three seasons ago now. And then two seasons ago, they were pretty good again in the bubble and were a playoff team. And it was very hard after years and years and years of being awful post white Howard to tell the fans not that we don't care about making the playoffs at all. We're going to scrap this group. So what ended up happening was, all right, let's, let's do what we need to, but they did it in smart ways. They resigned those guys to good tradable contracts. How do I know that they all get traded? That's how I know they were good tradable contracts. I'll <laughs> right. get traded for good returns too. So now where you're left is, all right, where did the magic go from here? Now we know they're committed to the rebuild. So if you're Weltman and Hammond, you feel really good about, we can trade Terrence Ross at this offseason, at this trade deadline, because whatever we get for him, we'll be able to make those picks or develop those players or whatever. We can move Gary Harris and maybe take on a questionable salary if we need to, because we'll fit that into how we build this thing moving forward. Robin Lopez, not going to be a massive return, but we can move him because whatever young player picks we'll get. Um, and even if we want to flip it a little further, they start looking and saying, We've got Fultz under contract. We've got Isaac under contract. But, but, you know, we really like Franz Wagner. We really like Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, and those guys. Maybe you could look to trade one of those guys. Those avenues are now open where if you had this front office just kind of sitting there without it being, um, you know, certain that they were going to be the ones to kind of complete whatever this rebuild cycle is now that they've got that certainty that opens them up to do other things. And I think that's really important uh, for a franchise like Orlando. That's trying to figure their way out way, way back from this. And I'll also say, maybe I'm just being super optimistic because I want the team where I most often go to games to be good and competitive and uh, back to the playoffs. I don't think if you look at it, their record is horrible but I don't think they're as far off as it maybe seems because they've got a lot of good young players and a couple of them in Isaac and Fultz haven't even played yet. So you start putting those guys together. They build together a uh, competent defensive group, which looks like it could happen. You might see Orlando back kind of, they might be one of these teams that takes a Cavs like jump where it's from the bottom of the standings to being a potential playoff team. Uh, And then you build on it from there. Keith, we're, if this if that happens, say next season, we are going to bookmark this episode or something and go back. Because as of this moment, the Orlando Magic are dead last in the NBA. And they are a minus 9.2, which is also worst in the NBA in, in point differential. So this is, this is the bottom, bottom, bottom of the barrel team. But you're yep. saying that there is some life here. There's something here to this team that could build fairly quickly. And you mentioned players out with injuries. So that's absolutely true. And I also think locking in the front office is important, not just because, yes, you you believe in these guys to be the guys to move forward, but it also sends a message 
to the young players, to the trades that they make, that, hey, this is something we're committed to, at least for the next mm -hmm. few years, which in NBA terms, that, that that's a lifetime, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, you, you've also told now any free agents and their, their agencies, mm -hmm. hey, we're here. So if you sign, like, we're here. You're not signing a contract with Jeff Waltman and John Hammond and we're gone in a year and now yeah. your guy's in limbo. If we sign you, we're signing you because we believe in you. We want to bring you in and off we go from there. And that, that's that, that I think gets overlooked a lot yeah. um, with, with guys. And, and the reality is Orlando has always done fairly well in free agency. They've been able to attract free agents say, throughout their history. Sometimes it's the top end guys, like when they get Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One, beautiful Almost weather year round. Right. Those guys really like that. Yeah. And no Tim Duncan, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, but the beautiful weather, no state taxes um, here in Orlando, in, in Florida, in, in Orlando, um, obviously. And it's a place where a lot of guys live in the off season. A lot of guys train here um, regularly. Uh, there's a lot of things here that people look at and say, yeah, that's a pretty attractive place. And if you're I'm not saying they're going to be out there going after the best of the best free agents in the next couple of years, but you get into those second, third tier guys when they've got all kinds of cap space and flexibility and look at and saying, man, they've got some good young pieces. That's a great spot to, to make a Jeremy Grant like acquisition yep. where it's, I'm going to come and I'll be the guy who helps lift them. I help uh, get that team to, to the next level. So I'm not saying they're, they're good because they're certainly not. I'm just saying if you look a little bit deeper, this team's not as far away as they maybe seem just record-wise right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think the the, the long-term upside is there. And that's why you saw the Magic make the moves that they did, was to give themselves that future and not kind of be stuck yep. in, in treadmill zone, which frankly is, is kind of where they where they were. They were seen as, yeah. as kind of this treadmill team that was good, but not quite good enough. And they were never going to be bad enough to get the pick that they needed. And things of that nature. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes moving forward. Um, how you evaluate this team obviously completely changes after the, all the, the moves that they made. How you evaluate this front office changes. It's not about winning games right now. It's about yeah. all the other moves that they make. So this doesn't mean that this, this management group can just kick the can down the road and continually sell hope and just acquire picks and never have it turn into something. I think you just evaluate them differently than teams that are contending and trying to win right now. And so that's yep. that's what we're going to see from this team moving forward is what can they do to build, to add assets, even if they're maybe not a long-term fit, what can they do to build this thing up from the ground up? And this is a, a vote of confidence that this front office can indeed accomplish that. And hopefully by the time these contracts are up, you've got a contender potentially in Orlando. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. All right, everybody. I think that about wraps things up for today. Unless we've had any other Woj bombs or Shams. Doesn't look like it. Anything like yeah. that coming out in I while we need been to put my here. desk back together apparently now. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you everybody for uh for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the NBA front office YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Doesn't matter. Make sure you follow us there as well. Appreciate it, everybody. Till next time, stay safe and see you.